We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. reading today in Mark chapter 4 and um, I've called this morning's talk called to sow so um, over the last few weeks we've been hearing right from the start of the book how Jesus is on a mission to bring the good news of the gospel of God to bring his kingdom to this earth and every time he talks about that he almost immediately then chooses like points to people and says, hey, come and follow me. And in week one, we called it followers and fishermen, because Jesus said, hey, you follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And there's this, we talked about the great commandment, great commission. You follow and you, you share. You follow and you fish. Last week, we saw how he says, um, how he drew the 12 disciples to him, and he says, hey, come and, I, I, he did that so that they would be with him, and that they would go out and preach. There's this like, dual thing great commandment great commission love God love your neighbours get to know him follow him be obedient to him but also go and share the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus that he is primarily on mission about in this world and that he calls his bride the the bride of Christ us the church to come and get involved in sharing that good news and so today the title is called to sow because interestingly having gathered those 12 disciples and said, hey, you're going you're to be with me and I'm going to send you up to preach. The very next chapter then is all about Jesus preaching. So it's kind of like, hey, before you go out, you need to listen to what I have to say on this subject. And so this whole message is all about principles, I guess, for how to do what he calls us to do, how to go about sharing his good news amongst those uh, around us today. So I'm going to read the whole thing and then I want to pull out three key points about what it means to sow, to to share, to sow, to give good news. So uh, we're going to do the whole of chapter 4 up to verse 35. So not the whole of chapter 4, but 1 to 35. Let's read it together. Hopefully you've got it by now. Okay, so verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat. This is that boat that he had like on standby so that he could go out into the lake if there was too many people on the beach. And he was out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow seed and he was scattering the seed and some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. Uh, It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60 and some a hundred times. Oh, there is right Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. So just the note, 
these parables that Jesus is speaking about, he now unpacks them, not to the wider community, but specifically to the disciples and those who are following him. It's to me and you. And he said to them, um, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this? Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. That's what the seed is. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, and that word, that word that was sown in them. Others like seed are like seed sown on rocky places. They hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no roots, they only last a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still, others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for the other things come in, and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed, sown on good soil they hear the word they accept it and they produce a crop some 30 some 60 and some 100 times what was sown and he said to them do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or even worse a bed no no instead don't you put it on its stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open if anyone has ears to hear Let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. It's nice and cheerful stuff this morning. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And all by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. In the last parable, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So there you go. Some of those uh, parables might be quite familiar to you, and um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure they will be. And it's good, isn't it, to for us to kind of, I guess, draw into them and try to figure out what is God wanting to say to us today in Guildford, in Hope Church, through this message that He was giving to His disciples and those following Him uh, back back then. And so I said I was going to call it "Called to Sow." 
And because as you would have noticed throughout the whole thing, there's like seeds come up throughout the whole thing and, and harvest comes up throughout the whole thing. And anyone who has ears, let them hear, comes up a lot. It's all, it's all to do with what it means to be a Christian, to share the good news of Jesus, to sow, to sow the word, which is what it says. And so I've got three, three things we're going to look at. How we're called to sow generously, how we're called to sow publicly, and how we're called to sow faithfully. So they're the three things we're going to cover, and they will work through the passage to show how those three things come out, generously, publicly, and faithfully. So verse 1 to 20 um, is where it's all about the farmer, the farmer sowing, and there's different types of, uh, of places, soil, that the seed lands. And the soil is representative of our hearts of what is our hearts like. There's some people whose hearts are hard, perhaps, and some whose hearts are more soft. And um, depending on how, I guess, the seed sprouts in their life, how it, how it goes, is, is some kind of indication of what is going on in their heart and, and how receptive they, they are to that. And I guess one of the key things I think it's good to just point out, it's a little bit obvious, is that the... This farmer in this parable doesn't kind of get his tape measure out, assess all the land, work out what is the good soil, and then make sure he's got enough seed to kind of cover the good soil and not have any wastage. We're, we're efficient, aren't we, in England, the UK? We like to be efficient. We like no wastage. We, like, we, don't wanna, we wanna make sure that there's no kind of uh, leftover. We wanna make sure that every single part square footage of our crops and our yield is used to the maximum and it'll be pointless wasting seed on rocky and hard ground like that's that's ridiculous something to do and um and yet the farmer doesn't go out and assess the land he doesn't go around judging what people's hearts are like if we're gonna put an analogy so easy for us to do that um, i'll should I share with that person? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe they're rocky. Oh, should I? Maybe they're a bit hard. Oh, maybe maybe that person looks like they might be receptive to this. That's what we like to do. There are certain people in our lives that perhaps we feel like, oh, if I share good news with them, then they they might be more ready to hear it or more comfortable hearing something about Jesus. But that guy, no way. I'm not not going anywhere near him. And yet the 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 parable kind of encourages us. No, no, no. We're called to be generous. We're called to scatter seed everywhere. We're not the assessors. We're not the, the kind of the people that come across and do all the measuring and all that kind of stuff. No, no. All we're called to do is sow. A hundred percent of the available land that the farmer had, he made sure seed was scattered there. And it's a bit of an encouragement to us that a hundred percent of the people that are in our lives were called to sow seeds of the good news of the gospel into, into, their, into their lives. We're not actually called to assess. If we did, then... I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be a Christian today. If that, that young girl that invited me to an ALF course back in sort of 15 years ago, if they had looked at my life and assessed what my life was like and saw how I was behaving and how I was acting and how I was speaking, they easily would have written me off. And probably many of you here in this room are too. But actually, they, that that person who brought you to faith, that person who first shared the gospel, whether it was your parent or your friend or your auntie or uncle or neighbour, whoever it was, actually they, they shared because they're called to sow, regardless of actually of what it looks like 
on the outside. We, um, you know, me and Catherine, we get invited around to people's meals all the time. And a mark of success for a meal in Britain is um, when you've got people coming around, have you cooked the exact right amount that would cover the people there? Because you don't want leftovers because, you know, we don't like wastage. And so, you know, the exact right amount of potatoes, the exact amount of chicken. And it's like success at the end. Like, you know, Catherine says it to me, oh, darling, I cooked the, the right amount. It was perfect. Exact right amount. You go to some of my African family, and there is rice coming out of your ears. There's loads of chicken. There's, that's very stereotypical. But um, there's, there's mountains of food, and there's plenty left over for the whole rest of the week. And it's just like, no, no, they, they're not thinking about, oh, I've got to make sure I've got the exact right amount. And I, it's just generous. It's lavish. I want to make sure there's enough left over because I want to make sure that everyone who's coming eats, you know, has enough and can't eat anymore. And one mark of that is that there's plenty left over. I believe that God is just calling us to kind of shed something of our, because I have it too, you know, I'm raised in Britain mostly. And British nature, oh, we want to make sure we're efficient, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, no, no, no. Called to be lavish, gracious, abundant, spreading the good news of Jesus. Not British meals, African meals, or whatever. I think what's also interesting is that um, it's, sometimes it's really easy to think about this parable and think about this is all about the gospel. That the sowing the seed is actually sowing the gospel. And so it's really easy for me to read this parable and think, oh, well, I'm the good soil because I've accepted the gospel in my life. I've, I, you know, I've prayed and therefore I'm the good soil because I've accepted Jesus and that's it, end of the story. But the passage doesn't say that. It says the seed in verse uh, 14, the farmer sows the word, sows the whole counsel of God. He sows Jesus. That's what John tells us, doesn't he? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. They're sowing Jesus. And I believe, actually, for all of us, there'll be something of Jesus' teaching where we do have hard hearts, where Jesus comes and he speaks into our life. And, our, you know, like it says in verse 15, the Word is sown, we can hear it, but then Satan comes and snaps it away. We, we maybe walk out of this room and, or walk out of our life group or wherever, walk out of that Bible study we've just had and then suddenly, actually, that, that, you know, God called us to go and do this, to share that, to say this, to give that and suddenly, oh, you know, Satan comes and takes it away. Or maybe we are like the rocky paths and what happens, we receive God's teaching with joy and we, we, we hear and we read and, oh, that's good. But then because sometimes like our root isn't deep, because we're not delving deeper into God's word, because maybe we're not spending time praying, we're not spending time resting in him, knowing our identity in him, what happens is that persecution comes, trouble comes, life comes, difficulty comes, and suddenly we forget that thing that God called us to do or encouraged us to do and, and it's gone. Sometimes we hear the word, we receive it with joy, but then the worries of life come. Or the deceitfulness of wealth. This is the third one. Or the desires for other things come. And just life swarms into our lives. And the very thing that we heard God speaking to us on Sunday or midweek or wherever it was, is forgotten. Because our, our hearts were, were hard. And we can have that in all sorts of areas of our, of our lives. 
And the fourth option is that we hear the word, we accept it, but then it produces fruit and we take action. Something happens in our life. We, we actually start walking towards it. We, because of what we've heard, we start doing stuff about it. In fact, anything less than that is really one of the other three things. And that is challenging, isn't it? Isn't that challenging? It's like, oh, like, Lord. And because different areas of our life will have different hardness depending on what God's calling us to do, isn't it? You know? And I wonder what areas of, in your life perhaps are you putting off trusting in Jesus? Are you putting off following him, being obedient to him? What I find really interesting is the three things he says that can kind of choke are, are not sinful things. Like wealth, it's not sinful to have money. It's not particularly sinful to worry you know, about life and how your kids are doing and how this is happening and oh, is that going to be okay? And, you know. and it's not particularly sinful to have desires for things. But all these things what they can do is they can crowd out God. They can crowd out what he's calling us to do. Catherine, um, during lockdown, she made a flower bed in the back of our garden, and she loves, she loves doing that kind of thing. I'm, I'm happy doing fences, fixing building. She likes making pretty. And, um, and every few weeks, because the only thing we could do when, in parts of lockdown is go to the garden centre. That was like the only thing that was open. So, you know, every Saturday there'd be a new plant coming home. And when that plant came home, though, I, my face dropped because I knew what it would mean is that I would have to then dig up other plants and move them. And we faffed around for ages, digging up and moving all these plants to make sure that they were all nicely spaced. Because the reality is that if we had put a plant in the middle, crowded by others, it, the others would have choked it out. It wouldn't have survived. It, it needed room to grow. In a similar way... When kind of God speaks to us and encourages us and encourages us to do something, we need to make space for that. And that might mean that there are priorities in our life that change, that adjust. The, the desires for these things in the world, the desires for, for wealth, the, the th- all the things that we worry about, we need to learn to cast them on Jesus and maybe put those, those things that we desire into proportion with actually what God's calling us to do. We need to make space for him. So a bit like, you know, I heard someone say recently that, you know, there's a, some, you hear like, oh, they've got a Jesus-shaped hole in their heart. And we can sometimes think, oh, yeah, and then Jesus is going to fill that little hole. But what that really communicates is that the, the whole rest of your heart has got all the bits that you kind of want. What Jesus really wants to do is to fill that hole and then stretch out and impact every single area of your heart so that he fills the whole thing. So he's got your whole heart. He's got your whole life. He's got all of you. We surrender it all to him. And that is challenging. It's very challenging. So is that, is that okay? So I guess a question. We're called to show generously. That's 100% of all the people that are impacted in our lives. Sowing um, means actually sowing the word, sowing Jesus. And so it's good for us to do that. So there's, there's an there's a encouragement there for us to, to do but there's also a challenge in that. Hey, how are we doing with hearing God's word? The reason why it's important for us to hear this is because Jesus has just called the 12 disciples. He's then spoken the parable, but then he's called them again, and he's speaking to the people of God. 
He's, he's not, in this parable, he's not actually speaking to those people out there. He's speaking to me and to you, if you have already put your trust in Jesus. And I can show that a few ways. One is because it says in verse 10, when he was alone with the 12, he then unpacked these parables. So he's, he's doing that in the presence of those who kind of are called by God. Two is that when he... Um, when he, he then he quotes from Isaiah, and he says, Isaiah says, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And basically, in Isaiah's time, you had all these prophets, these religious people, who were meant to be the people of God, but they weren't following him. They weren't trusting him. They were, they were being disobedient to him. And so Isaiah had to come, no, come on, come back to God. Come back to your first love. Come back to what it really means to, to know God and to live for him. And now Jesus is doing exactly the same. And he's, he's warning the disciples, hey, you need to make sure that your heart is open to all that God is doing because it's really easy to become like the Pharisees who last week were calling him evil. It's really easy to become like a Pharisee. It's easy for that to happen to us. And so we've got to check how is our heart. And the third way we know that is because right at the very end, it, it says, that last verse, it says, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. This is what he was trying to explain. This is what we need to hear, that God is speaking to us. And so it's just, yeah, that question again, how is your heart? What is God saying to you? Let's not be people that are ever seeing but never perceiving. In, you know, that, that phrase that says, um, those who have ears, let them hear. It comes up again. Jesus speaks those words again seven times in Revelation chapters two and three when he's speaking to the church. And when he's in this one church and he's like saying, you're a lukewarm church and I want you to be hot or cold. Remember that word that came earlier today? From Will? God's speaking to us today. He wants you to be hot on fire to him, not seeing but never perceiving. He wants you to hear and then put into action. Those people that are good soil in their heart, what do they do? They hear the word, they accept it, and they take action. Produce fruit comes. That's point one. Let's do it so generously, because God says generously into our heart. Let's receive him. Okay, number two, point two. Verse 21, um, it says... So having, having said all that parable, he then talks about the lamp on the stand. And he said, he said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No, instead, you don't. You put it on its stand, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If one has ears, let them hear. We're called to sow publicly. We're called to go public. We're called to come out of the closet of our Christianity and share it with other people to share the good news of Jesus, to share all about him. And it's quite simple. He's kind of pulling it all together. It, um, Stuart was telling us this week that in Mark's gospel, there's lots of sets of threes and there's lots of like sandwiches. And so you've got seeds and seeds and in the middle of the sandwiches are the light. Yeah? Uh, these parables of seeds, in the middle you've got the light. And it's, that's like a key point for us to come out is that as we sow seeds, it's important for us to know that, that what that does is that brings light into darkness. And there is darkness all around us. There is darkness in people's lives. Behind the, 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 the kind of immaculate doors of their homes, actually there's, there's darkness and there's pain and there's hurt. And we're called to be people that show seeds of kindness and grace and love and, and mercy and, and good news. It's, all of this is 
what it means to follow Jesus. We're not called to, if, or, or the reality is if you don't sow, we don't reap. You hide the light, no one sees. Called to go public, to help people see. In Proverbs 20, it says a sluggard does not plough in season. And then the harvest comes and he looks, but he finds nothing. Whereas God says, no, come on, you need to sow in season and out of season. Whether you're feeling great or not feeling great, when you're on fire, when you're not on fire. However, however you're feeling, hey, if you're a person of God, if you love Jesus, you're called to the great command and the great commission. You're called to fish and to follow. You're called to listen, obey, accept, and to produce. We're all called to be part of his mission, remembering that he is the king. He is the one that's building his church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He is on mission, and he draws you into it. In fact, the greatest place of intimacy you can find with Jesus is when you listen and obey. And then you see amazing things happen as you step out. And yeah, and there's lots of examples in the Bible that we see that happen. And we're, we're called to do the same. No one lights a lamp and then puts a bowl. Remember, the bowls back then would be clay bowls. You put a clay bowl over it, air can't get to it. It snuffs out the light, and it's just all in darkness. We're called to come out to bring the good news of Jesus, to bring the light, to, to share Third thing is we're called to sow faithfully. Verse 26 says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day comes, whether he sleeps or gets up, um, the seed sprouts. And he does not know how, but all by itself, the soil produces corn. I believe that God is encouraging us to have faith that the harvest will come. The harvest will come. In the, in the, he kind of does two parables to finish up. In the parable of the mustard seed, it's this small, small seed. It looks insignificant, but it will come. It will produce a harvest. And the farmer in this parable, in, that, in the parable of the growing seed, will be there and day and night, he's looking, he's planted this seed and he's looking and he's inspecting it. And, it, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched grass grow, but it's pretty painful. And it doesn't look like anything's happening. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, what is going, you know, is anything happening? And, you know, you might come to church or you might go to midweek group and, you, you know, you, you attend and, oh, it's all right. It's, you know, it's a bit average. And you think, oh, is anything really happening? Is, is there life here? Is, there, is anything happening? I believe so, God's saying, hey, have faith. The harvest is coming. In all of these parables, the, the light is coming. The harvest is coming. He, he is about his kingdom. He is about his work. And you can be encouraged that, that, and expect the harvest to come. You can, you can expect it despite rejection. In, those first, in that first parable, three quarters of the seed sown is rejected, isn't it? Only one quarter, 25% yield. Um, and actually, God says no, but that's going to grow to 30, 60, even 100 times. It's going to be incredible. Even today, a good yield in an American farm is 30%. Back then, it would have been much less because they don't have all the agriculture. So when Jesus says 30, 60, 100, he's talking about abundance, lavishness, that he is at work and he will bring the fruit. So despite rejection, we can be certain that actually God is going to bring a harvest. Despite delay, when you're waiting day and night and you're watching and you're thinking, is this, is something happening? And, you know, you're assessing, is, is life going on? Is, is God doing anything? Hey, no, you can have faith. No, a harvest will come out of what he's doing in your life and in our lives. And despite an unimpressive start, a small little mustard seed that looks a bit naff, actually it will grow to a big tree where all the birds 
Or bass. That's why I'm wearing this shirt. Remember the swallows? You might not see it at the back. All the birds bask in the trees. We, we, I want to encourage us to have faith. And have faith that actually God is able to do an amazing things out of something that's very mediocre and a bit, is that, is that all God? Are you doing? No, he is doing. He's at work and we can trust him and we can have faith that he will, he will do it. So what types of seeds can we sow? Well, sow Jesus, sow the good news, sow the gospel, sow kindness, sow gifts, sow love, sow mercy, sow time, talking to people. We can to into each other and also into others. We can sow in small ways. You know, we've got the murder mystery evening coming up. Catherine's managed to invite, like, a bunch of her staff. They're going to make a table or two. And, you know, who are you inviting to, to the murder mystery? It's just going to be fun. It's not it's no gospel. But from there, we'll invite them to the carols uh, service, which is going to be here on the 12th of December. And again, they'll be able to hear about the story of Jesus as he came to birth. And it's just small seeds. And you might think, oh, Oh, it's just a, a fun evening. Hey, no, it's a small seed. It's one step to see, meeting other people, other, other Christians, learning about Hope Church. Or, you know, it might be going around the house, providing a meal, just getting in touch, just being a helping hand. I've recently helped take one of my neighbours. They like, had loads of stuff in their back garden. I said, hey, would you like some, some help taking it to the dump? Yeah, sure. So we just take a, took a Saturday morning and we just drove it all to the dump and just spend the morning doing that. It's just it's little. But we... But we don't want to neglect to sow the word, do we? We need to sow Jesus. I can do all the kind acts in the world, but if I never bring Jesus into the light, if I keep him hidden under a bowl in my household, then I'm depriving them of seeing the light. I'm depriving them of hearing the good news that I've received and I know many of you guys have received. Good soil is about hearing, accepting we are fruitful. And also, it's about understanding that, do you know what? In, in all of this, the farmer, he, he sows, doesn't he? But he doesn't know how it grows. Paul says, you know, Paul waters, Apollo, no, Paul sows, Apollos waters, but God brings the growth. God brings the harvest. We can have faith that God is at work, that he is, the, he is the one that's responsible for the harvest. So as I go and I share and I sow a seed of Jesus, a bit of good news into someone's life, I tell them about the, the good news that I've received in my life, they might reject me, like three quarters of, you know, of the field. They might, it might look like they're delaying, you know, because it's day and night's coming, oh, did they receive it, didn't they? How did they find that? They might, look, they might come along one day and think, oh, this is a bit unimpressive. Hey, but it's okay because the results are God's. He is at work. He is the farmer. He is sowing. And just to finish up, isn't Jesus a picture to all of us in these things? Doesn't Jesus, isn't he the one that sows generously? Isn't he the one that gave up the riches of heaven and all that he had up there to, to, and left all of that to come to this earth, to be generous, to give up his time, his life, his kindness, his acts of good words, and ultimately his life? He's the generous one. He's the one that we follow. Isn't he also the one who came and brought his message publicly? He came and told people. And a lot of what we've read so far is that he's kind of telling people not to go and, but in this, not to go and tell people, but in the second half of the book, apart from the disciples, in the second half of the book, it's all public, public, public. And, and he is out there and he's telling people about how the fact that he is the son of God, he is the Messiah, he is the one who's able to forgive sins like the paralytic who was lowered. He is the one who makes a public spectacle of the 
meet like the futileness of the devil's schemes by disarming all of his power as he died on the cross and then rose again. He is the one who actually is primarily on mission, bringing his message to the world. And even if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out and creation will worship him and sing his glory. And Jesus, amen, Jesus is the faithful one. He is the one who does not leave you discarded or abandoned. He's the one that comes chasing after you, running after you. He is so faithful to his promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. And he is for you and he is with you. And he promises that he's not going to abandon you, but he's going to fill us with his Holy Spirit and he's going to give abundantly gifts, good gifts that we can receive in our meetings, that we can share with one another, that we can encourage one another with. That Because he is so faithful and he's so generous and he's so wanting his good news to spread across the whole world, which today, this start with 12 people and now 2 billion people plus third of the world's popula- uh, nations or pop- populations worship him and love him and sing to him and glorify him and we get to join in with his wonderful bride that he is preparing and gathering to himself because his kingdom is at hand those who has ears let them hear amen come on let's get the worship team back up let's stand shall we and I want us to pray Because we need, we, we can't do this by ourselves. You can't do this in your own strength. You can't, you can't even really turn to God without him first making you alive with Christ and filling with your Holy Spirit. We need his power at work in our lives. He is the king. He is the one. He is sovereign. He is mighty. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that's at work building his church, whom the gates of hell won't prevail against. And so we need to pray that we are people filled with the Holy Spirit because when the trouble of life comes, we need to know God's presence in our life, don't we? We need to, we need to be strong and mighty in the Lord, courageous and bold to step out for all that he's calling us to because we're called to sow. Let's pray. Why don't you open up your hearts and your, your minds to what God might do? Yeah, do feel free to start playing if you want to, band. Father God, we just want to open our hearts to you again. Well, we love you. We worship you. Well, we recognise that you are the giver of life. You're so wonderful and mighty and sovereign. Father, we need you. <laughs> we can't do anything without you. Or if we do, we just labour in vain. Lord God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? I pray, Lord God, for, for those areas in our lives where we've hardened ourselves to you. Lord, I pray, would you soften us? Help us, Lord God, actually to accept your word and then to live it out, to trust it. Lord, for those of us in our room that perhaps what we haven't accepted is you, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you soften hearts? Lord, I pray, would you help those who haven't accepted you yet to accept you, to receive you, to receive your forgiveness and your love and your mercy. Lord, I pray for all of those, all of us who have, who, who know what it is to enjoy your goodness and your grace in our lives. Lord, I pray, would you help us to be a people who are courageous and bold and lavish and gracious with our sowing, that we wouldn't hide the good news that we have received under a bowl or under our bed. But Lord God, we would step out of our doors, that we would encounter others, that we would share, that we would give, that we would sow. 
Help us, Lord God, to be the people of God. Lord, we just recognise that as you call us to follow you, that this isn't a private thing that's just me and you. Actually, it's a public thing. Thank you that you gather us in community. Thank you that you give us a church to be a part of, to encourage and to uphold and to strengthen one another. And I, and I pray, Lord God, that we would receive that. And as we do, Lord God, that we would go out into the world, that we would shine your light, that we would be, there would be good news, Lord God, in the darkness. I pray, Lord God, help us to, to, to have faith that this is good news. Help us to have faith that the harvest will come. Help us to have faith, Lord God, that you are able to impact Guildford for your glory, that you are able to do mighty things much beyond the, the all we can dream or imagine. I pray, Lord God, would you help us, stir us today, I pray. Fill us with your spirit. Help us, Lord God, to trust that you are King Jesus, that you are over all things, that we can follow you and obey you and be obedient to you. And even when others reject you, actually, Lord, we can trust that you are at work doing what you will. And so we say, Lord God, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be people who, though we have ears, help us to really hear. Help us to really see. Help us to act. Thank you, Lord God, that you bring the fruit. We trust you in it all. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.